that you will receive all the power, glory, and honor. And this will be a holy place of worship where people will worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. You may be seated. At this time, you probably, he doesn't need an introduction, but if uh, Scott could come up, uh, there's uh, sermon notes back there if you like to pick one up. Um, you probably know Scott a little bit better than I do. So he will be bringing the message to us today, and he will not be following our Bible reading. So the message is not from our Bible reading today. Boy, exciting to be here today. Um, I had a little coffee, so I have to hydrate before I start here. I'll be coughing, I suppose. I left Seward this morning, eh, just before, just after 7, I can't remember. Didn't see a car. I come around one of the corners coming up the mountain, and uh, there in the middle of the road is a moose. And uh, uh, literally stopping traffic. I was the only traffic, took a video. But uh, <laughs> if you want to see the video, come see me afterwards. But um, I came up from Seward this morning. My wife is uh, still in Seward. I don't want to wear her out too early because we're about to begin um, basically five months of nonstop activity. But I'll show some slides at the end here, uh, which will remind you of those who have been here. And it will... It, inform some of you that haven't uh, been to the Siemens mission or heard much about it, but as uh, Pastor Emmy mentioned, uh, Joe and Jeanette Seal, they were the original couple that started it about 40 years ago. I think Jeanette was about nine when they started, so, and, uh, and uh, they've been faithful ever since. I would invite you to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, and uh, if you don't have a Bible, I suggest you bring one next time. It's so enjoyable to open your Bible, to turn the pages, to see what God has to say. I am excited about Grandview Baptist Church. Pastor Emmy and I had uh, lunch a couple of times already this winter, and uh, he must have approved of our conversation because he invited me to speak today, and I appreciate that. Um, exciting to see this council, men of God, getting together for the purpose of establishing the local church. It, it just reminds me of Ephesians chapter 4, where um, God gave gifts to the local church for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the work of ministry, for the exaltation of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And um, before we open uh, or read the Word of God, um, could you please join me in prayer? We'll bow. Heavenly Father, we do delight today to gather around the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is awesome. And I thank you have given him as an offering to pay for our sins. And now as a resurrected Savior, he is our all in all. And we thank you. May he be exalted today. May we be encouraged. May your, my words be your words. And may we leave saying amen to what Paul has said in Philippians, and it's uh, in our Savior's name I pray, amen. So in Philippians chapter 1, I'll be reading a little bit, and then I'll explain it. I have a few PowerPoints um, that we can go over, but the first three verses uh, basically is introducing it, and I'm reading from the King James here, so I don't know if you uh, 
want to go to my PowerPoint, and I'll just read off of here, and then um, as we go, okay, I'll read the first, uh, let's see, seven verses to start with here. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. Now, what's exciting about this passage here is that Paul is in prison. And Paul is communicating to these Philippian believers who are doing quite well in their Christian walk. And he is excited. Can you imagine being excited in prison? Um, okay, I'll read the next verses. We have them up over there. Verse 8 and following. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all. Now you'll see in this passage, he goes to all repeatedly. He wants all of them to know you're special and I love you and I pray for you. You all with affection of Jesus Christ. Verse 9, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has been become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. So Paul is in prison rejoicing. Could you go to my PowerPoint, please, next? Thank you. And he's not inverted. He's not self-perspective. He's thinking outward. And he's rejoicing in God's use of him in prison, God's work in the Philippians, God's work in the lost, in the palace guard, and in all of the palace. He's rejoicing that God's work is being done even though his circumstances would be declared as not so good. Amen? If any of you were in prison today for... Uh, various reasons. I won't ask who's been in prison but, uh, or, or jail. <clears throat> I personally have. But um, 
If you're there, are you going to be rejoicing? Are you going to be saying, God, you are great for letting me be here? Well, I hope so. If, if, <laughs> if, if you know that it's God's will that you're there, you can. How about if you're in a um, hospital bed and you have some very significant medical conditions? Can you say, praise the Lord, I'm in, 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 in uh, the um, uh, uh, Providence Hospital because God has a purpose for this? Maybe you can share Jesus Christ with the nurse and say, you know, can I pray for you while you're in um, Providence? You can ask the nurses. I don't know. I just want us to try and walk in the shoes of um, the Apostle Paul and to be able to say, I'm rejoicing even though my circumstances are not so good. That's what faith is all about. Grasping God and trusting him regardless of my earthly situation, circumstances, finances, politics, whatever, okay? So if you look at your Bible there in verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3, here we go, there's the PowerPoint, okay? So Paul is thinking here about what? My Lord. He's thinking about the Lord. He's thinking about the gospel. He's thinking about the Philippians. He's thinking about the lost. You know what you don't see in that list? Paul. <laughs> You know who we think about number one in the morning? Normally, I don't want to judge you, but normally as human beings, first thing we wake up is think about Scott Almighty, right? We say, oh, oh me, oh, I'm sore. Oh, what do I have? What do I want? What should I do? Paul is in prison with a lot of time. He's praying. He's rejoicing. He's writing letters. He's sharing the gospel. Nothing is confining him to that. Because of his circumstances. So in chapter 1, uh, could you advance the slide, please? Okay, when Paul is in uh, this section here, in chapter 1, he's going to go over the gospel. And he's going to come at it at different angles. He's going to talk about the fact that they are... Uh, have fellowship in the gospel. That means agreement. He's talking about the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. He's talking about the furtherance of the gospel. He's talking about preaching Christ. And some do it with a bad attitude and some do it with a good attitude. But I rejoice that Christ is preached. Now, when you say that statement, Christ is preached, that means the gospel is being preached. And he is making he is being used by the Lord to make known the gospel in prison. So let me draw your attention to chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, Paul is rejoicing that they have a fellowship in the gospel. Now, if you're a um, Seattle Seahawks fan and you sit down with another Seattle Seahawks fan, you're going to be talking about your fellowship in the football, okay? 
If you're a Harley driver and you find another Harley rider and another one, you're going to have um, a fellowship in loud noises, right? Or your hog or whatever. Ladies, quilters, they find fellowship in quilting. Well, Paul is saying, I love you and I pray for you because of our fellowship in the gospel. Could you advance the slide, please? Okay, his, his fellowship is in the spiritual reference of Jesus Christ and the gospel. And we have to define terms. I think that's what Pastor Emmy was saying this morning about the council and things. We have to have a firm foundation. We have to have something that establishes us as a local church. And I like what he said this morning. It's not about us or the denomination or the history of the church. It's about the word of God. Now that's a high calling. And when you have that, you can have a sincere and good conscience that says, we stand right here because God's word tells us to believe this, to practice this, to say this, to live this. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15? <clears throat> and in the first six verses, Paul is talking about the gospel. And what's interesting is these people are failing in their Christian life. Okay? I'm not going to have a show of hands who are struggling, but every month I struggle at something that's going on in my life. I struggle with my faith. I struggle with relationships. I struggle with my inner heart. How can I continue on? I'm discouraged. I listen to the media and look at the government and look at what's happening. And what do you do? Oh, no, you function in fear or you function in pity or you function in anger or maybe vengeance. Huh? <laughs> What am I saying? I'm saying when we focus on Jesus Christ, he can then encourage us. And that's what Paul does to the uh, Corinthians. They're sinning like crazy in their local church. And you know what he does? He brings them right back to the gospel at the beginning of the book. He reviews who they are in Jesus Christ throughout the book. And at the end of the book, he says, hey, it's the gospel. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives us hope, purpose, and reason for living on earth. Why are you living the way you are? You shouldn't. Our labor is not in vain in the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, we see this. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preach to you, which also you receive, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Now, here's the uh, really the definitive explanation in the New Testament of the gospel. Verse 3, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. In other words, it's mine. I've received it. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and so forth. There's evidence of his resurrection. So, um, you can see on this slide up there, I've kind of divided it so that you can uh, see that the main point here that Paul is seeking to, uh, to communicate is that Christ died for our sins. And the evidence, it was according to the scriptures. For thousands of years, 
you know, approximately at least 700 since Isaiah and others. It has been clearly explained since Genesis 3 and following that there's going to be a Messiah. And when he came, he fulfilled all of the Old Testament scriptures. Evidence that tells us this is true. And when he healed the lepers, when he healed the blind, when he walked on the water, when he calmed the sea, when he raised the dead, all of those declared his deity. He is God. He is God. So God came and what? Died for our sins. And that he was buried and that he arose again the third day according to the scriptures. So the resurrection declares that he has conquered the grave. Death has no more dominion or authority or power over those who have Jesus Christ as his savior. Do you know the day you die is the best day of your life? It might not be the best day of your family's life, but it's the best day of your life because then our faith becomes reality. So I look forward to it, but I'm like Paul. I'm not eager. I'll stay around a while for others' sake and for the enjoyment of a walk with the Lord and a maturing, but it's the best day of our life. He has conquered death. So the gospel is what? A person, Jesus Christ. Next slide, please. A gospel is a person, Jesus Christ, who he is, God who became man, and secondly, what he did. That's as simple as it gets. God became a man so that he would accomplish a payment, die for on behalf of our sins, evidenced in the scriptures and was raised again according to the scriptures so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. As simple as that. Next slide, please. Oh, you got it up there already. So the gospel is preached throughout the New Testament. The gospel is preached throughout the uh, book of Acts, the Old Testament. It doesn't always have all of the details when it's mentioned, but Christ is preached. Him we preach. And don't get hung up with the word preach. It just means herald or make known. Christ is made known to the grocery checkout lady who I know well at the store. And I call her by the name of Angela in Seward. Christ is preached to Antonio, who came down and delivered at the uh, warehouse next to the Siemens mission two and a half hours after the warehouse closed. And I said, oh, you got to call the number on the door there. And he goes, oh, my cell phone went out. I said, oh, I'll help you. I'll call. Went across the street, made the phone calls, nobody showed up. This is a week and a half ago, by the way. So I said, well, how big's your delivery? He goes, well, I had, to, I had all these other stops here, and I, I just have nine cases. I go, oh, well, why don't you just bring them over to the mission, and I'll deliver them over in the morning when they open up the shop. He goes, would you? Oh, that'd be great. I don't want to haul these all the way back and do the paperwork and so forth. I said, I'll help you. He comes over. So I thought to myself, this is an open door, Lord. I know this is an open door. So he came in. I'd already asked him his name, Antonio. And he came in, and I said, just put him right there. And can I give you this, Antonio? I said, this is a, um, a booklet, track, that explains to you how you can know you're going to heaven and that you don't ever have to fear death. 
He goes, really? Thanks. My wife and I will read that. I said, here, let me give you some smoked salmon. He goes, oh, I'm from Arkansas. I like squirrel and possum and stuff. I said, hey, maybe your wife. Oh, yeah, she's from Alaska. She'll, she'll like it. So a week later, in pulls the, the, um, the um, uh, trailer. He's got a semi. So I'd asked the people in, in Seward at the church to pray for Antonio when we had sharing one night. And I see him hauling his stuff. I wait till he's done. I go outside, go across. I go, Antonio. And he goes, yeah. I go, remember? He goes, oh, yeah. I said, did you eat the, the salmon? He goes, yeah, it was pretty good. I said, sorry, didn't have any squirrel or possum for you. And I said, did you read the booklet? He goes, yeah, my wife and I have been reading it. You know, we want to be right with the big guy upstairs. So I shared the gospel with him a little bit. Well, you don't have to worry because Jesus came and died for your sins. And it's nothing about you, Antonio. It's all about Jesus Christ and what he has done. That's grace. And so I, I took maybe two minutes to share the gospel. I said, Antonio, when you have a break sometime in Seward, you come over and I'll sit down and I'll explain this to you, how you can know you're going to heaven. He says, I'd like that. So if you think about Antonio, pray. Next slide, please. His person and his work. Remember, it's not complicated. God made it so simple that illiterate, uneducated children and old timers can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Now, let me just give you one observation on my part. I have noticed in recent years that we have a lot of cliches associated with the gospel. Let me use one. Ask Jesus into your heart. Now, please don't let me step on any toes. I'm trying to be polite. You won't find that in the Bible. Ask Jesus into your heart. He comes in, but you must believe on him. The Greek word pistis or pistuo, which is the verb, all mean to rely or depend upon. I, the sinner, rely or depend upon the Savior who is God and became a man and died for my sins as my substitute. So you want to be careful what you ask people to do because when they want to go to heaven, they'll do anything. They'll change their life. They'll do this. They'll try their best. And the Bible never says that. Woman, I don't condemn thee anymore. Just go and sin no more. Your faith has made you whole. So it's our faith in the Savior that saves us. So be careful with that. I just I wanted to add that. Now, keep going quickly. I have a challenging question here next. Uh, next slide. Can you yourself lead someone to salvation in Jesus Christ? Now, the answer is yes, actually. Every one of you. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 21 says, We are ambassadors for Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So every one of us can bring somebody to Christ. The woman at the well, five husbands, all divorced, living with a guy. She goes to the city and all she does is say, It's the Messiah. He's at the well. He told me everything about my life. She, at that point, she was a believer. I'm convinced. And she just told what she knew. And the whole city comes out. And they say at the end of chapter 4, he says, it's not because of what you said. It's because we heard him ourselves. That's my job. Just show him the word of God. So don't take this big burden. I got to be an evangelist. Have to have the gift of evangelism. Nope. You're going to go to places I'll never go. You're going to go to places Emmy, Pastor Emmy is never going to go. You're going to be able to talk to your neighbor, your, your, your friend, your coworker, the people that you interact with. 
It's exciting this time of year because all the seasonal workers come to Seward and there's only one main drag through Seward and I live on the main drag. So I'm watching. And we've already met a dozen or so um, um, seasonal workers and I've shared the gospel with a bunch of them. It's not a big deal. I just ask them friendship questions, get to know them and switch it over into spiritual things. And you have to be a little practiced and you have to be a little bit um, um, unshameful and just go for it. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Just go for it and open your mouth and the Lord uses it. Now, I would say you might want to check in with him and say, Lord, can you use my words? Lord, whatever. But I'm serious. Wherever you are, the Lord will use his powerful truth. And you just appeal. Would you like to see a verse? Um, I gave uh, Antonio my card and said on the back is John 3.16 and 1 John 5.13. I said, if you read those over and over again, you can probably understand what it's going to take to know the big guy upstairs. No, I never use that phrase, but to know you're going to heaven because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, now let's keep going here. We're going to start moving. So in Paul's talk, Paul's encouragement, Paul's letter to the Philippians, he says, I love you, and we're so close because of our long-standing fellowship in the gospel, both our defense and confirmation in the gospel. So if you'd like to go, if you've got your Bible open, you can go to Philippians chapter 1 again. Today I'm trying to stay here mostly, but I wanted to define for just a little bit the gospel. And our fellowship is in that message. So in verse 5, Paul says, I'm praying for you, and you are so dear to me. You're, I make requests with joy, verse 5, for, our, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And if you go to Acts chapter 16, Paul is sharing the Macedonia call with the believers in, the, in Philippi. And in fact, he ends up in jail where he shares the gospel in Philippi with the Philippian jailer and his family. And it spreads so much that <clears throat> they're basically run out of town. Pastor Emmy was talking about the present uh, persecuted church. Actually, all of us should experience a measure of persecution because all those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 2 Timothy chapter 3. So by the grace of God, he says... Our fellowship is in the gospel and our defense and confirmation of this message. Verse 6, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Throughout this letter, he's appealing to the Philippians to keep growing, keep growing, keep growing. God's got to work in you until the day of Jesus Christ. Then it's over. He doesn't have to do any more work because when he comes back, we're going with him in the rapture. And so verse 7 says, Just as it is right to think this of you all, there it is again, you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. Now, I have circled in my Bible, my heart. Paul says, every one of you Philippians are in my heart. And I pray for you. And you're with me here in prison. 
because it's partly why I'm here, because I've been defending the gospel. And you're all partakers of this same grace. Now, suffering isn't something that we say normally, oh, thank you, Lord, for your grace. But it's the grace in the physical trial of cancer. It's the grace in the prison. It's the grace in a hard relationship with a relative. It's the grace in a country that's falling apart morally, spiritually, economically. But guess what? The needs are greater now than ever. 25 years ago, 20 years ago, the economy's booming, everybody's. The need for Jesus Christ wasn't there until we had 9-11. Then for a short moment, the whole country turned. Let's pray. Let's do. So hopefully, as the country has difficulties, these can lead you and you and me to open our mouths for Jesus Christ. May I ask you, what is the one and only antidote for a lost world, an economically struggling world, a difficult world? What's the one answer? Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. So in the back of my filing cabinet mind, I must, I'm appealing, applying it to all this, I must know the only answer is Jesus Christ. The only real hope is Jesus Christ. So maybe I can help him. By sharing the message of Christ, I've done years, decades of prison ministry. You know what? I never ask them why they're in there. All I need to do is share with them Christ. And if they're open, if they're willing, or if the Spirit of God pricks them a little bit that day and maybe a little bit in a week and maybe a little bit in a month and brings them along, maybe they can respond, receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Then the change starts. And if you've read any biographies or autobiographies uh, about prisoners, you'll see who have found Christ and who have, have, have served him in prison. It's amazing what the gospel can do. And all we are is the mouthpiece. And Paul is saying, I love our fellowship in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. I confirm it. This is it. Now, I get discouraged. Anybody get discouraged? Oh, thank you for joining me. I get discouraged. And when I get discouraged, I try and go back to the Lord. You know where I go back? And I was born again. Okay, I'm a believer in Christ. Okay, I've learned the word of God. I know who I am in Jesus Christ. Okay, Lord, I turn to you right now. And if I've been sinning through my pity, through my anger, through my discouragement, or, I, I, I want to admit that. 1 John 1, 9. And then he forgives me. And then I want to step out with confirmation. Lord, you're real. Lord, you're in my life. I look in my rearview mirror. I see you. I've seen you in my marriage. I wouldn't be married today. 38 years we're coming up on. No way without the grace of God. The forgiveness that he teaches us. The camaraderie. And when we're getting along, there's nothing better on earth. And if we're not getting along, uh, forget that. So, <laughs> ah, The married couples know what I'm talking about. It's all the grace of God. And so you must confirm this message. Philip, or excuse me, Corinthians had lost it. They were practicing religion, drunk at the Lord's Supper. They were suing each other. There was incest in the church, and they were tolerating it. 
And God said, or excuse me, Paul said through God, he says, go back to the gospel. Go back to who you are. Confirm who you are. It's your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, when we get to verse 8, we see this. He says, I want to pray for you. So I'm going to read verse 8 through 11. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, next slide, please. He has such affection for these believers that he's praying for one main thing. Now, there's a list of things here. But one main thing, spiritual maturity. That's what he's praying for. Now, when I go to prayer meetings, I would say the lion's share of the prayers are physical prayers for people's health and people's this. And I am not against that. I pray that daily almost, maybe. But Paul is saying it's the spiritual that is the most important. And in fact, all of his letters are that way. <clears throat> so you're communicate, he's communicating here his love and his desire that they would spiritually mature. Oh, so encouraging because then the gospel will come forth from men and women of God who have a testimony that is backed up by their lives. So again, this slide I have there is God will give sufficient grace for you and for me to mature. He will not neglect us. He will not desert us. He will not be insufficient in his supply for us to grow spiritually. And Paul knew it. He says, I want your love to abound more and more, for you to be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by the Holy Spirit flowing out of them. So if there's one thing you should desire for your spouse would be spiritual maturity. For yourself, spiritual maturity. For your children, spiritual maturity. For your congregation, spiritual maturity. Because the fruit of the Spirit in a congregation is a beautiful thing. So that I'm loving one another, they're loving me. I'm forgiving one another, they're forgiving me. I am enduring one another and bearing one another's burdens. It's, um, I, I, I heard it say, a hope depot during pastor's prayer, I think, this morning. A hope depot. A place filled with hope. Your confidence in the word of God gives me hope. And mine gives you hope. Because we're striving together. <clears throat> Next slide, please. As we look here, everyone should know that the gospel is being furthered by my circumstances. Next slide, please. Paul is saying... Uh, this is just an illustration of maturity. It's all in our thinking and the spirit of God and our sin nature and the Ho Holy Spirit are battling inside and Satan is trying to get us to be distracted through this world or tempted through this world. But God has his word and we must fill our mind or meditate on the word of God to have success. And when we fail, turn back to him in faith. Next slide, please. <clears throat> Here we go. Everyone should know that the gospel is being furthered by circumstances. Now, this is a confidence that we must have. When Antonio showed up across the street, my first thought was, what in the world are they making a delivery at 7 o'clock at night? And as the Spirit of God or my thoughts went, it's like, oh, this is an opportunity. 
This circumstance isn't by accident. I'll bet you the Lord had his whole day messed up so he shows up there so I can share him the gospel. So thankfully that day my head was screwed on straight and I shared the gospel with him. You laugh. It's not easy to walk with the Lord day after day. But as your pattern goes, like with your spouse, it gets closer and sweeter and stronger and more dynamic. So everyone's coming to know God's using Paul's imprisonment. I'm going to read here um, 12 through 14. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, if you were in Philippi and you were worried about Paul in prison and you got this letter, you're kidding me, Paul. It's for the furtherance of the gospel? Keep reading on. Keep reading on. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. My, there's nothing bound here. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 says, The word is not bound. And Paul is in prison in 2 Timothy. He's saying the same thing. My bonds are in Christ. They're not in this jail. 14. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So in other words, God is spreading the gospel in the prison, in the palace, throughout Rome, and others are becoming bold because of Paul's presence there. Haven't you ever been encouraged when somebody shares the gospel with you? I have a friend uh, in Minnesota who's a painter, personal contractor. He's got mitts like a grizzly bear. He's been doing contract work for 35 years or whatever. And he had a kidney stone here recently. He's an avid evangelist. And he had a kidney stone. He said, Scott, I was whimpering like a little baby. I had to run into the ER. I'm in the ER. I'm there. I'm just, oh. He's got a kidney stone. He goes, and all of a sudden it passed. And I thought, hey, I got to share the gospel with this nurse here. <laughs> the furtherance of the gospel was brought on by what? A kidney stone. You know, that's amazing to me. Do we think that way? Not very often. No, it's poor Scott. Why do you have to go through this hardship again? Now, maybe you don't think that way. But my nature goes to pity, too. So what do we have here? Paul is saying, brethren are becoming bold by Paul's imprisonment. And everyone is preaching the gospel since Paul's imprisonment. Look at verse 15 and following. Some indeed preach Christ. Now that's the gospel. I'm translating. Preach the gospel. Preach Christ. Even from envy and strife. And some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am, a, a, I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. So can you and I control people's motives? Not at all. We can't even control our children sometimes and their motives, right? We teach them motives. You should be doing this out of kindness to your friend. But I don't like them. Yeah, but God wants, you know, so forth. Well, Paul is saying, woohoo! 
Christ is being preached. You know, some, if you look carefully, some, some out of envy and strife. But Christ is preached. Some sincerely out of love. But Christ is being preached. That's how excited he was. Can you imagine being in prison and you hear stories? Maybe somebody's bringing you food because they didn't provide food back then. They didn't provide clothing. When you went to prison, that was the way, the way you were and you died a lot of times because you didn't have any type of support system. And he's getting word. Hey, hey, Paul, you wouldn't believe it. All the believers in, in, in Rome, they're so excited because you're in here preaching the gospel. They're on the street corners preaching the gospel. This is so encouraging. Paul goes, I got to write this to the Philippians. They're going to love this. I was in jail in Philippi. I'm in jail now. And God has brought it out to the furtherance of the gospel and it's going out. Now, how should this affect us? Everywhere. Everywhere we go, God is with us, and he's already working behind the scenes to open doors to share Jesus Christ. Now, you might say, but I'm so uncomfortable, I'm fearful. Yes, I have been many times. And you pray to God for boldness, and you think of one or two open line questions. This is one of mine. Are you a spiritual woman? Are you a spiritual man? Very generic, very open, and they'll either say one or two things. No, not really. Or, I used to be. I'm a recovering Catholic. You know, I heard that just this week. So, so but you're general, and you then have started a conversation. That's it. For the furtherance of the gospel. For the magnification of your Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is saying. It's exciting. It's really exciting. Exciting. When you start seeing people responding to the gospel or your friend shares, oh, I talked to my sister-in-law. She's wide open. Someone shares that. Really? I never thought she'd ever get saved. No, she calls herself a pagan. But she had never heard the gospel. Stories. Encouraging. Next slide, please. When you go forth and you share Jesus Christ in the back of your mind, you can say, I am sufficient by the grace of God. I have the Holy Spirit living within me. Now, you must know you're saved, okay, with your position in Christ, who I am. You must know a little bit about the Word of God, at least John 3.16. You must know the gospel if you want to be very specific and answer some questions. You need to know God's with me. In fact, Isaiah 41.13 has been one of my favorites over the years. For I, the Lord thy God, shall hold your right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. So I start thinking, oh, should I say something? Okay, Lord, you're with me. You'll help me. Okay. And I want to say something. It's my responsibility as a believer in Christ to initiate. When he says go, that means simply it's my responsibility. I tell the volunteers at the mission, it's our responsibility to start a spiritual conversation. Do not wait for the seafarers to open the door. It's my responsibility. Now, that doesn't mean I'm pounding them. I'm kicking the door down. They want to talk, and they want to talk about their family. They want to talk about the hardships on the job. They want to talk, and then you bring it to a, Well, have you ever considered God's strength while you're on the cruise ship? Have you ever considered that God would really like to help you in your situation? So you just transitioned into a spiritual conversation. You can do this wherever God leads you. There's probably at least 70 people here tonight, today, you know, that's 70 different directions you're going. And we can bring the gospel to a community 
to a, to a city who needs a Savior, Jesus Christ. As we look at verse um, 19, I'm going to read all the way till 26. I know I'm taking some time, um, but um, our reservation has been postponed at the, at the meal today. So just a little bit, okay? But I, um, verse 19, for I know, that's key. We must know. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through the prayer and supply of the Holy the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, your spiritual maturity, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by, the, by my coming to you again. So he's saying, I believe I'm going to be delivered, and one of it is the power of the Holy Spirit, and the other is your prayers. Do not underestimate your prayers because God stands behind our prayers. He says, pray and I will answer. Now, it might be different. Many of my prayers are answered a little different than, than, than the way I ask them. But God knows what's best. But I'll tell you, the United States is not a praying church. We lack that in a lot of areas. And I'll say that in your back of your mind. You say, how often and, and how long do I pray? And prayer, though, is the way we draw to God and how we draw others to him and we prepare. And Paul's saying, I think I'm going to be delivered because of your prayers. Now, I'd rather be with Christ, which is far better, because the day we die is the best day of our life. But it's more needful for you. So out of love and your great affection that I have for you, I'm going to stay on and you're going to really rejoice when I get there. That's what he says at the end of verse 26. And your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Have you waited for a relative, a good friend, to finally come to Alaska? They've been saying for 20 years, I'm going to visit, and then they come. Oh, it's so good to see you. Paul's coming out of prison. So the last section here he has is that he wants their conduct to be worthy of the gospel. Many, many a message has been ruined by a life. So if our walk doesn't match the message, then we, either through hypocrisy or insincerity or contradiction, the message is um, um, not received or, or um, contradicted just by our lives. So we want to walk the walk. Verse 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So he wanted their lives to be growing and maturing, to be a blessing to the local church in Philippi, to be a means of outreach into the community and to the praise and to the glory of God, he says. 
you know, that's a great incentive for you and for me, not just grow because of personal benefit, but because of the benefit of others. The best thing I can do as a believer in Christ and a husband is to grow spiritually. That will overflow into my marriage. It will overflow into my parenting. It will overflow into this church. And it will overflow into my speaking the gospel to others. So God is encouraging these believers to spiritually grow. So Paul's perspective, Paul's passion was for the gospel. Next slide, please. He was sitting there in prison thinking, oh, Lord, you're awesome what you've done here. The gospel's going out. The Philippians, I want to encourage them. The lost are hearing the message. So I'm myself really uh, encouraged by this portion of scripture here, and I hope you are today. And I just would like to take uh, a few minutes to share the the, uh, Siemens mission now. I wanted to go into the word of God and to share uh, from the scriptures. But the Siemens mission has been around for around 40 years, uh, unofficially and officially. It was incorporated uh, well over 30 years ago. And uh, we're the Alaska Christian Ministry to Seafarers. Some of you know us, and some of you might just be introduced today. But I want to thank Grandview Baptist, uh, the people and the leadership of the church for all the way along. Um, they have been a very uh, 